Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Billy Gilmore Podcast, the podcast for the Sandler connoisseur, uh, the fan of the Sandman. Uh, I am your host, Wilson Smith, and joining me as always is Chris Giles and Austin Culp. We're so happy to have you here with us for this amazing episode as we close out uh, Adam Sandler's big 2002 year, uh, something, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, something of a comeback year for him uh, after, you know, the success in the 90s and then, you know, a brief, uh, but pretty, I mean, it, it, it doesn't doesn't hold him down for too long, but it's a pretty big stumble with little Nicky financially with audiences kind of prove that he's not invulnerable. Uh, and then he comes back in 2002 with, uh, you know, two movies we've already discussed. Uh, Mr. Deeds, big hit. Punch Drunk Love, a uh, movie that uh, proves to everyone who wasn't paying attention uh, already uh, that Sandler is an incredibly talented uh, dramatic presence and actor and, and even romantic lead. Um, and so we are here, of course, to discuss his animated, uh, his animated feature, although barely a feature, 76 minutes, uh, Eight Crazy Nights. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we should, uh, you know, briefly touch on whatever Sandler news, uh, has happened. It's only been a week since we last recorded, um, and it's, you know, right now, uh, on this night, uh, the Toronto Film Festival is sort of coming, starting to wind down. Um, it premiered at Telluride, as we discussed, uh, uh sorry, what premiered at Telluride? Adam Sandler's new movie, Uncut Gems, by the Safdie Brothers from A24. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's getting incredible Oscar buzz. He got it out of, uh, Telluride and then it played at Toronto, which is definitely seen as a launching pad, uh, as much, as much so, if not more than, uh, Telluride, uh, launching pad for Oscar consideration, just like award season runs. And, uh, it seems, you know, a lot can happen. It's still, it's still September. It's only about mid September. So there's not, you know, nothing set in stone yet, but it seems pretty, more and more likely that uh, our boy Adam is going to get his very first uh, Academy Award nomination. And uh, we will certainly be talking more about that as these episodes go on um, and we see how it goes. But that's really exciting. Is it still up in the air at this point whether he will be up for actor or supporting actor? Uh, I mean, he'll be actor. Yeah, I've, I've only heard actor. Yeah, gotcha. I think he's not. Yeah, because there, there are certain there are definitely certain things like. Like, I heard that, like, Tom Hanks for the Mr. Rogers movie is probably supporting, surprisingly enough. Interesting, okay. But, like, yeah, sometimes that'll happen when you'll see a movie and it's be like, oh, what is this? And then if it's, like, on the edge, you'll sometimes be like, well, I, I don't know. I think Rooney Mara got, like, supporting actress for Carol and Kate got actress, which <laughs> would make sense for Kate to get actress, but it's also, like, Rooney's like, well, she's not su- – okay, whatever. Like, well, I mean, I think there's – Sometimes them like that. I think they're talking about that with, like, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with, like, Leo and Brad. Although Brad Pitt is the one – Leo's great in that movie. Brad Pitt's the one who has the stronger chance at the Oscars. Mm. Um, it's kind of seen as, like, this could be his year. Um, but I think they're That'd be cool. pushing him for supporting – which is interesting because he strikes me as a co-lead in that movie. But sure, but he probably has a stronger chance to win he, supporting. Yeah. Oscar politics are weird, it's and a, a whole weird. other mm. whole other can of worms that isn't worth going into. Right. And now. you know we <laughs> should well yeah, and we should just you know it would be a, it would be you know great you know it's it's great for for Sandler if he gets an Oscar nomination, but no matter what happens, we were here we were here when no one cared. <laughs> so just know 
whatever happens, I, we don't want to hear any of these these fair weather fans being like, oh, I always loved Adam Sandler because, you know what, we'll we'll be there with we'll be there watching him on Oscar night, uh, rooting for him. And uh, but if none of that had ever happened, I would still be re- if none of that was to happen, I'd still be really really excited to see Uncut Gems. I'm sure he's going to be amazing. He's just a winner like in our life in general. He's Absolutely great. Everyone yeah. seems to love him right now. He's too. the MVP of this year for sure, which is great. And I'm so ha- grateful for all this like renewed enthusiasm. Yeah, for you know, him. yeah. The amazing we were talking about this before we started recording, but the the fortuitous timing of this uh, of of these recordings is like this is sort of the year of Adam Sandler. The only way we could have been luckier with this if, is if we had started like a Keanu Reeves podcast, right. because I think in similar ways both of them are having like these these moments where. Less vitriol towards Keanu, but like it's sort of these things where like they've been around for so long that enough people have like come up on their stuff that like for a long time it's like there was like no respect given them whatsoever Often from critics. Lines. Yeah, total punchlines, and then now it's like people are coming around, and then they're, they're the people who have always been on their side are sort of being more vocal, and uh, the people who are starting to recognize what is unique about them and what they bring, like why they've had such long, I think longevity is the key. It's like these people have been around this long. They must be, they must be doing something. There's a, there is a reason for this. And I think that Sandler is just, uh, is just endearing himself to a lot of people right now. I wonder if it helps too, that by all accounts, these two examples that we're talking about, Reeves and Sandler, by all accounts, they are upstanding fellows in, in, in their personal life as well. Like, yep. uh, mm-hmm. like it's not, the, the, these aren't like, problematic guys to become fans of what these like, totally these, these these nice people who everyone whoever who everyone who works with them are like oh wait no yeah they're perfect gentlemen and it's a wonderful place to work with mm-hmm. and yeah. so on and so forth they're definitely both on that realm of like the meme realms where it's not like a terrible awful meme of them out there like like i've seen the adam sandler like billy eilish comparison <laughs> where it's like adam sandler walked so billy eilish could run uh, <laughs> his clothing or the um, or, you know, anything with Keanu Reeves out there. Adam Sandler, whenever he's, I don't know if y'all saw that, like, whenever he was bombing people's wedding photos. Yeah. So, like, he's just, like, kind of, like, that sweet, beloved guy that, like, I guess people are coming back around to. And it's like, I'm glad he's in here still, still kicking around, doing things. You know, sure. I believe, I think he was referring to this. Um, I believe it was Gandhi who said that the arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And so now that finally it's no longer it's no longer uncool to become to be uh, a vocal uh, Adam Sandler like Happy Madison fan. Uh, it's you know what it, it's it's a lot of things are going wrong in the world right now. I don't want to sugarcoat it, but this is a positive. Yeah. <laughs> and we're happy to be riding this wave as long as it lasts. And then once it crashes, we will continue. <laughs> we will continue until we drown. Well, but for now, we. Yeah, it's great. Um. Um, as far as like a personal update, I was perusing through Half Price Books today, and like the clearance section of their of their of their CDs of uh, of their of their compact discs, and I got a copy of What the Hell Happened to Is Me. That what CD stand for? <laughs> <laughs> of uh, What the Hell Happened to Me from 1996, um, and it was not the only copy of that I saw there in like their bargain bin area. And our good buddy Brian Connolly mentioned that he also found a copy of Half Price Books for a dollar the other day. So. If you're ever, you know, having like like a chill afternoon and you're just you know, kind of like, you know, uh, just um, killing some time at Half Price Books, take a look at those uh, at like their cheap CDs and grab yourself some Sandler album, albums because they are there. And 
some Austinite fools have been giving them away for nothing. Well, they're there for the taking. I really do love that album. Like that album mm. as a kid was just something my mom would let us listen to in the car all the time. It is the album that contains the official recording of the Hanukkah song. Ooh, that's Ooh. topical. <laughs> um, so the the only other, I think the in sort of similar to what we've been saying with the festival run, you know, there was just a very funny, uh, we had Adam Sandler's birthday uh, has happened since we last recorded. Um, he is 53. Three, I think so. Okay, fifty-three. Fifty-three years young. Um, yeah, he's fifty-three, and we'll double-check that. We could have done our research, but we'll edit all this out. Not really. Um, <laughs> he is fifty-three years old. So, um, yeah, and he was at the Toronto Film Festival for Uncut Gems, and there were a lot of uh, photos that went around of uh, this amazing birthday cake that uh, I guess a twenty-four made for him with like a Furby, like a gold Furby on top of it, which has something to do with Uncut Gems. It was very funny. Uh, it was great to see all the love and support that everyone had. You know, everyone was sending uh, to Adam Sandler. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a good time to be a fan. It's Let's a good time to that. be a fan, and I also appreciate as a fan that Sandler isn't like how do I put this? Um, he's still very much himself. So in other words, oh yeah, like, Hubie Halloween is coming right after Uncut Jam. Absolutely, <laughs> Hubie Halloween's coming. But also like so with all this buzz going on and all these festival of showings of Uncut Gems, there's plenty of pictures out there if you're interested of like, you know, here's Sandler next to the Sappy Brothers like in, like, you know, like uh, doing an audience Q&A. And you know, it's like a festival event. So so Sandler's dressed up like in a nice suit. And he has that mustache still and he's looking like a sharp, handsome dude who's ready to do the award circuit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that's great. But then there on a, on like his Instagram, it's him making a funny Sandler face in front of his funny little birthday cake. Being like, oh, I got a birthday cake. How do you do? Like it's he like he's still Adam. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty cool too. Um, like they have like a cutting. They're cutting the cake in some video. Mm -hmm. I guess it was the weekend that threw him this birthday party. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so that's awesome. Timothy Chalamet is just sitting there hanging out with them. I guess it's probably like anyone that's been in an A twenty four movie somewhere. Like wow, everyone's there. Chalamet should play like Sandler's son or something <laughs> in a movie. Really, though. <laughs> I mean, he's no, he's he's too he's he he's pro too he probably still he's he probably he's still too good for that. Uh, <laughs> we gotta we gotta we gotta learn him. <laughs> Um, but I think I think that is it for the news. Um, oh, there's a I mean, I, I know we're just dating the podcast left and right, but um, there's a very good piece in The Ringer that's about uh, both that came out recently, like the past few days. That's about um, I only read it today. I was going to send it to you, but that's uh, uh, about um, Sandler and Farley oh. and about their rise to it's like the it was the subtitles like how to like. TV stars became like like comedy movie stars or whatever. Um, it's very it's very interesting. A lot of interesting tidbits. Highly recommended reading for everybody. Um, the Daily Beast posted a uh, posted an article that said yes, Adam Sandler really could win an Oscar this year. Um, great times, great times all around. Yeah, don't want to dive into those comment threads though. No, oh God, no. Um, I saw one uh, critic who shall remain nameless who had a tweet about uh, like even even in praising Uncut Gems had to like like rag on Sandler being like oh he's the he's simultaneously the best actor and the worst actor alive and it's like all right like that, en enough of you sir yeah um so but anyways like I said we're keeping it positive here today at least for now because we're gonna oh do our best. boy uh we are here to discuss eight crazy nights um so I think we should just jump into that um let's <laughs> let's do our best um it <laughs> Jesus Christ like 
So in general, I would say that, you know, um, us and our lovely guest, Rocky, um, for our episode on Little Nicky, in general, maybe we were all feeling more down on that movie than, say, the films that came before it. But there's still plenty to, like, parse out, appreciate, um, to go to bat for with uh, with with little ne- with a uh, little little Nikki. Um, that was made all the more clear today when I was when we were watching um a crazy nights. Because I don't know about you fellas, but this, uh, I mean, like, so <laughs> I, I I can't make words because this was it's kind of an interminable movie, at all of seventy six minutes, and it feels much longer than that. Like it's 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 not the best. So yeah, this this thing is obvious. Okay, so obviously, Eight Crazy Nights, the title comes from uh, Adam Sandler's incredibly incredibly popular the Hanukkah song. Um, you know, we ha- we get Eight Crazy Nights, um, and it's. It's classic. It's a great song. Um, it's 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 definitely a staple of Adam Sandler's just entire career, um, and so that it's kind of the whole selling point of this movie is that it's an animated, a hand drawn animated film. Um, they used to make those in America. So, like, what if Sandler could use his clout to do like in the great tradition of hand drawn cr- like holiday animated films? What if he did one that was kind of filtered through his sensibility um, and was about Hanukkah as opposed to like. Christian Chris, uh, Christian Christmas or secular Christmas. We're gonna focus on Hanukkah. Right. So on paper, that sounds pretty rad. Yeah, I mean, I, I maybe, maybe in theory. Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> like to get that representation, because IMDb's got to be wrong on this, saying that this is the first Hanukkah movie. That just cannot be true. Be right. That cannot that be true. Trivia, that trivia section must have no credentials either <laughs> to yeah. post anything. Yeah, come on, man. Um, so. As we said, this movie came out in 2002. Um, it came out, I believe, Thanksgiving, like the, the week of Thanksgiving in 2002. I I went to see this movie in a theater. Um, so you would have been, what, 12? Uh, I was 13 when okay. this came out, and it um, I, was, I, was ab- I was about a month from turning 14. And I went to see Eight Crazy Nights because I was, you know, I had missed Punch Drunk Love because I had heard that was just like a weird artsy one and didn't care for that at that time, but... I went to see Eight Crazy Nights because it was still, it it seemed like right up my alley. And God help me, my recollections to that at the time were that uh, it was a, was that it was a funny movie. Good, good job. You know, three stars out of five. Like, let's, you know, we all went home happy. I remember having like, like, I remember skipping it. And and it wasn't and, and it w- wasn't because like I was in general like in general down on Sandler because I absolutely saw Punch Drunk Love in theaters. I missed Deeds in theaters, but caught up with it later after the fact on DVD. Did a little Nikki, so like I was still on board, if maybe with slightly like less enthusiasm than during like you know like Waterboy, big like Big Daddy era. But I remember just being aware of a Crazy Nights, but just not giving a shit and being like that looks lame. Like I remember, like like it was maybe like maybe like the first theatrical release of his career where I was like, no, pass, I don't care. Um, and t- watching it today was the first time I've ever seen it. I wish I had seen it at thirteen, and maybe that would have been a more positive experience. I probably would have liked it more. It didn't do, it didn't do me that too much good today, to be honest like, with you. Like, but I, mm, yeah, Austin. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely remember watching this uh, as a kid. I swear I thought it had one of those like blue VHS tapes, but I'm not finding anything. Mm, on I, it. I mean, it has a blue D. It's like a blue DVD thing, so it could be that. Do you think it got yeah. like a clamshell? Uh, I don't think it was a clamshell, but it could. It could have been. It could have been something like that. Yeah. But. Um. Yeah, like the Harriet the Spy like orange right. tape itself. I thought yeah. there was a blue one, but bad memory. Okay. Either way, I mean, I, I probably just don't remember this movie because 
I watched it. I don't remember particularly enjoying it. Um, to be fair, I'm not a holiday movie person in any which way. So, okay. but it's we uh, have no idea if you're a Hanukkah movie person because this is the only one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it was. Uh, it I, I I highly doubt. I mean, maybe this played in Amarillo, but <laughs> Mr. Deeds for sure did. Punch Drunk Love probably did not, and this. Maybe this maybe almost not. certainly did. I mean, it's like it was. I mean, this movie cost thirty-four million dollars. Yeah. Like it was, it did not make that back. It made about twenty-three. I all think told. opening weekend, it, it opened at like fourth or fifth place. Yeah, it was not not a huge, not not a big hit uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, and so yeah, and and this is this movie like it's not, you know, we, the three of us, and all of our extended circle of friends. You know, I feel like, <coughs> I feel like I know we know. Probably for every Adam Sandler movie, we can find at least one person who will really not just not just say they like it, but like really go to bat for it. Sure. Just like no, that's like terrific. I don't think. I mean, I think Connolly, who's the biggest fan we know, I think he likes this movie, but it's not like he he. And I and if I'm and if I'm putting words in his mouth, I I thoroughly apologize. But uh, it I don't think he I don't think he goes to bat for it. I don't think he's no. like passionate about no. it. I don't think anyone is because it's kind of just a, like it's kind of a weird. Shrug of a movie, which is a weird thing to say about a hand-drawn animated movie with, like, five or six original songs. Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing feels, like, super tossed off, like, weird and unpleasant and, like, mis and, like miscalculated, but, like, not so much of any of those things to where it's, like, like even that interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. He takes all those things you said he takes to such extremes in other movies that they become like beneficial to like they make the movies interesting to watch. Sure, but like, so these, like, like here it's just kind of just kind of just sits there. Like there's mm -hmm. some distasteful stuff in this movie, but not but like not to the point where you're like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Like eventually we're going to get to talk about That's My Boy, which is going to be an incredible conversation because that movie makes some uh, <laughs> makes makes some choices and sticks with them. This movie. Like there, there's plenty of like, uh, like, bit like, bit, like really off the wall bits of like, like crude humor or like mean nasty humor that then kind of downshifts into like sort of like sweet holiday schmaltz. But it all like, I, like I think tossed off or like just kind of mm -hmm. lazy is the is or the key words here. Mm -hmm. It just if uh, a shrug a movie is how you put it. And this thing has four credited writers, right? I can only imagine that the writing session of this movie was these dudes. There was a bong involved. There was a bong involved or a case of beer and then just like, okay, yeah, that sounds good enough. Like, uh, whenever people charge Sandler with laziness, I, being a part of this group, I will try to, I usually get defensive and, and like say, no, 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 like here's, like here's a, like here's a better way to approach this movie or this thing. A Crazy Ninth, yeah, no, I'm fine if you want to call that lazy because I really, I still not, not quite sure what, what, what we just watched. <laughs> Maybe this is like, Maybe this movie has such a detachment because of just like the animation process itself. Like you know, they're writing the movie and then they're like, "All right, now we're gonna go animate it, and we'll come back." And it's like they step into the room and like, "You're voicing this, and it's all done. There's not yeah. a lot that you can really do because it's already animated." Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all set in stone, and it's not like they came. At, it's like they probably didn't come up with the best material on the first pass. Like, and maybe if they had like been on set and had like more, you know, improv or whatever. Um, I also got to say, and I've seen some disagreement about this online, even from people who uh, most people don't like this movie. This is, like I said, don't can't really find anyone going to bat for this online. Um, I think I think the animation is kind of ugly or unpleasant to look at. Like I don't think that like that's and that's a shame because hand drawn animation is. It was already kind of starting to be rare in two thousand and two, and now it's practically non existent in yeah. the states, and it's such a 
it's a shame because it's such a beautiful art form when it when it's at its best and you know some of the best films of all time some of the most beautiful films of all time are animated and something like just like good animation could have helped some of this like pop in a way that sure. I think you know could have made it you know if it's if it's if it's movies visually pleasing that can paper over a lot of stuff but the the, the characters here are like they're kind of not not gr- grotesque is the wrong word although some of them are but it's like they're kind of just like it looks like uh, they're, like they're slightly up. shittier versions of all the all the human characters from the Iron Giant. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it's like um, if there's one kind of like common refrain that I've heard from like our 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 Sandler friends, um, whenever you know um, we've mentioned that, oh hey yeah, coming up we're gonna be doing 2002, including a Crazy Nights. There, if there's one refrain aside from like Ugh, that movie, it's been why is that movie animated? Yes. Why is that movie animated? Because it doesn't really do anything with it. Well, they didn't have CGI deer technology <laughs> at that point um, that could have ca- that could have captured what they the script <laughs> called for. Well, there's literally one one like shot if 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 like if like that's the word I, I should use or like animated like composition right that I can think of that actually looks interesting and kind of pops and it's a bit with the deer. It's not when they're shitting. No. But spoiler but, alert. Uh, but it's when they're about to like help the whitey character with like a stalled car and help him out the, uh, help him out the snow there's a bit where like the, the the deers are walking in front of whitey's um car that has and, and then like the headlights are on mm-hmm. and so they're kind of like walking past the lights and you sort of see the silhouettes of the deer mm-hmm. it's a neatly striking and memorable shot in a movie that has no others mm-hmm. but it's like they like someone actually gave a shit that day or that week, or that month, because I know it takes a, it takes a lot of man hours to make these movies. Right, but like, that's really the, the the only time I can think of and watching this movie where I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool like that like that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. It seems to be it seems like just doing a little research, which there's not a lot of information right. in this movie out there. It's it the little details that are out there seems to indicate that this was animated by like people that did work on Iron Giant. Oh. Yes, I think I, I think I had heard I think I had heard that, but like. I think I saw someone on Letterboxd be like, imagining, mm-hmm. imagine the poor people who had to do this after Iron Giant. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a rush job. Uh, like it feels, and you know, I don't know if these still <laughs> hit video stores all the time, but there's those like really second rate animated movies. Yeah, like like your mom. Yeah, you'd get like Arabian Nights or something instead of Aladdin when you're a kid, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, you got the like the shitty supermarket version of Aladdin. Yeah, it feels like there was probably some big holiday movie in 2002 that was animated, and then there was this just kind of shitty looking mm-hmm. not as quality version it feels like it was made for like spike tv like a, a made for tv movie for spike tv it just has that energy and feel of like that's what this should have been yeah that would have been better for everyone involved if this was like if if, if i don't know if, if happy madison had made like a deal with comedy central or spike or whatever and just did like this sort of holiday special that would have been a much better context for this for this question mark of a movie <laughs> i could have taken 30 minutes of this much easier than taking 76 when we were sure. watching it earlier at one point i think we paused at wilson and then like little you know a time counter on the f- on the thing was like oh you're at minute 30 we weren't even halfway <laughs> yeah we weren't even halfway and we're like jesus christ like, what else could possibly happen in this <laughs> um so i think the thankfully uh for us and for the listeners out there there's so little plot in this movie that's going to take us almost no time to recount it but uh, I do want to, as as always, uh, open with our boy Roger Ebert uh, giving his thoughts on Sandler. So this is coming after Punch Trunk Love. Obviously, he liked Punch Trunk Love. It was a first for uh, Mr. Ebert. Um, and he says uh, about Eight Crazy Nights, he gave it two stars, which... 
that's a bad rating. It's also a little bit higher than I would have imagined Ebert giving this. It's higher than ratings I think he gave for like Waterboy's one star. Waterboy, like, which is, I mean, uh, you know, Ebert is a hero, but that man was insane sometimes. <laughs> so, but anyway, he on. says, uh, <laughs> "Heaven help the unsuspecting families who wander into Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights." Oh, side note, that's another thing we need to mention. It is credited on the poster and in the film. We've been we've been mislabeling it this whole time. It is called the official title is Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. We um. So, Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights, expecting a jolly animate, uh, animated holiday fun fest. The holidays aren't very cheerful in Sandlerville, which is why the PG-13 rating mentions frequent and crude sexual humor. <laughs> um, let's see. I can understand why Sandler might want to venture into South Park territory with a raunchy animated cartoon, but wa- not why he links it to Christmas and Hanukkah. The advertising will inevitably use holiday images, and in the minds of most people, those images will not suggest a film this angry and vulgar. There is also an odd disconnect between Sandler's pride in his Jewishness, which is admirable, and his willingness to display the obnoxious behavior of this particular Jewish character to an audience that may not get the point. Ebert was woke before everyone else was woke. Um, he's worried about representation, which is good. Um, and then here, well, he, he gets to the heart of the matter here, especially because he's following up from Punch Drunk Love. Won't Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights attract an, an audience for reasons that have nothing to do with the material? What are people who want to see an Adam Sandler movie going to take home from this one? Sandler's most recent film, the inspired and wonderful Punch Drunk Love, was not well received by Sandler fans. I heard from readers appalled by the way his audience responded to the film, before in some cases walking out. Sandler, Sandler has painted himself into a corner. His comedies have included generous amounts of antisocial hostility, sudden violence, dodgy material about urination, defecation, and flatulence, and a general air of defiance. A lot of people like that, but they are not the people likely to understand the Hanukkah message in Eight Crazy Nights, and those who appreciate the message are likely to be horrified by a lot of the other material. What Sandler has made here is a movie for neither audience. That's, yeah. It's very well said. The box office looks to be, like, it agrees with that. Like, the box office looks terrible. Yeah, it's not like that. that, I mean... I, I can't remember exactly wh- how much Punch Drunk Love made, but it's not that much less than this. Mm. Yeah, this was, I think it was saying... This th- made like 23. 23, and then there's like a budget of 34. Yes, and, and, and Punch Drunk Love probably cost less than this, yeah. almost certainly, and it made about as much. So like in the end, you know, it's kind of a wash. But And I mean, you know, just if, uh, just speaking to like, okay, wh- where are we at with, in, like, with, the, with the conversation 17 years later? Um, you know, Punch Drunk Love, what, like, last year got a Criterion release. It's still very much, like, loved by a whole new generation of people. Um, I feel like people still go to that movie as a favorite, are discovering a new – that movie is still very much in the conversation of, of Sandler, of Paul Thomas Anderson, of just recent contemporary interesting rom-coms. Who – when was the last time, like, like, like – in your conversations of just sort of like like day to day, not speaking to like our plans for the podcast. When was the last time you ha- you ever heard of or like or heard from anyone about this movie? Like, I mean, it's barely a blip on anyone's memory. Right. I feel like, um, and it was even then it kind of felt, felt like an afterthought. Yep. You'll get occasionally in the Facebook groups someone just saying like Eight Crazy Nights, my favorite movie." Just like. Every so often, there's someone in there. There's there, like one person in Minnesota that loves this. Every movie is someone's favorite movie. I believe that wholeheartedly. And so, yes, it does not surprise me that Eight Crazy <laughs> Nights is someone's favorite movie. So, 
anyways, Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights begins with the Columbia logo uh, looking like the female character Eleanor, uh, Eleanor um, and it then morphs into the Columbia lady because they weren't like confident enough to like just keep it being Eleanor. Like, why not? It's fine. Like, it's a decent gag. Listen, I guess. we got a we. Th- that's the least of the spirits problem. We got a, <laughs> we got a lot. We got a lot to cover here. So um, no, we the, don't. The uh, Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights in marking him as the auteur of this picture, even though it was directed by uh, Seth Kearsley, who had has not directed a feature, I don't think, since then. Uh, done a lot of animated stuff through, like, the 90s and afterwards. Um, so uh, we start off with, uh, it's like, you know, holiday scene in Dukesbury, small little burg, like, you know, homey little town. Um, people are doing going Christmas shopping, and the narrator, voiced by Rob Schneider, uh, is telling us all about like, oh, aren't the holidays great? Uh, you know, but it's interesting even off the bat here. It's interesting this film's conception of why the holidays are good, and it is curiously uh, unreligious, considering this is like a movie ostensibly about like Hanukkah and like you know Jewish pride. Uh, he talks about like, oh, aren't the holidays great? You get no, you have no school. You get to eat a whole bunch. Uh, people give you stuff. <laughs> like that's like a literal thing. That's a reason. Which like sure, like a kid would think that. But like, come on, man. Uh, and then he says, makes you feel tingly, doesn't it? Uh, and he's like, oh, like. But there was one guy, you know, the basically the Grinch of Dukesbury, uh, Davy Stone, played by Adam Sandler. Um, pretty good animated approximation of what Adam Sandler looks like. Yeah, it was supposedly him from whenever he was nineteen. Oh sure. Yeah. Um, and he uh, is uh, getting completely like obliterated in a Chinese restaurant. Um, the Chinese waiter, Maitre D, comes up and you know offers him the check, and Davy belches uh, extremely loudly, cracks some people's glasses. Um, the uh, in an extremely sensitive performance, the Chinese waiter is played by the extremely not Chinese Rob Schneider. Um, is this the first example? We can, I mean, obviously, I know it's not, it's not the first case of like Schneider doing a voice, but is this like the first like, oh God, fuck you, don't do that? Well, I mean, it's like I think you have to wait for. I mean, this is this is like a harbinger of what's to come, but I think that like because it's animated, you're spared the full like Mickey Rooney and Bref- Breakfast at Tiffany's horror of <laughs> right, Rob yeah. Schneider's like weird appropriation, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's not great, and the, and it's it's not a great sign that as soon as the man started talking, I was like, oh no, that's Rob Schneider, isn't it? Like, <laughs> and I looked it up, and sure enough, um, so he leaves. Uh, he drunkenly stumbles to his car. He can't. He cannot open the door. The cops stop, and they're like, "You're not driving anywhere, are you?" Um, Sandler, Davy, sorry, uh, Davy does a whole bit where he pretends like he's gonna have sex with his car it's kind of like he's doing the like the thing with the intercom box from happy gilmore he's like ah, ah, yeah yeah like, it's it's weird mm-hmm. um and and we should stress not funny <laughs> um and then uh he then oh he stiffs he stiffs the chinese restaurant cops give chase he sings uh, the first song of the movie um davy's song it's not a very good song which is one of the biggest problems of this movie is that something we haven't even really touched on yet is that Adam Sandler is an incredibly gifted musician and songwriter. So why aren't these songs better by and large? Like there's not there are two songs in the film that I think even approx- approach being memorable. Um, and we'll get to them later. But like this one, it's like. I could tell you because I wrote it down. I could tell you one line of the song, but like none of it has stuck in my head. Yeah, no, no. 
Um, but he's just singing about how much he hates the holidays. Like, you know, he, he it sucks. But the chorus um, is, I hate love, I hate you, I hate me, which is just a great way to start <laughs> a, a holiday film I right mean, off the bat. I feel like that's uh, exactly how I feel about this movie. <laughs> uh, like, his, that and just like, I feel like that evokes the characters so much and I'm just like, that's the biggest problem for me with this movie. It's like Davy. I mean, there's a lot of problems, but like just Davy Johnson as like a character. I'm just like, I don't like. There's no sweet part to him. He's just like a straight up dick the entire. Well, yeah, until the fi- until the script suddenly abruptly needs him not to be. Yeah. Um. And so suddenly, and, but it's it's like like it's such bare minimum stuff of him becoming a decent person. It's 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 him saying like, oh hey, yeah, thanks, have a nice day to like the lady who serves them like their lunch or whatever. It's just, yes, it's, it's, yeah, it's bare bare minimum. Yeah, <laughs> as Chris Rock would say, what do you want a cookie? <laughs> um, so he sl- he's like sno- as he's singing the song, he snowboards through town basically on like a like a trash can lid or something. Um, very a, a la uh, Xander Cage in the film Triple X. Um, when he uses a dinner tray to like grind down a rail, um, that was also a 2002 movie. My brain is broken. I'm very sorry. Oh God. Um, but uh, so he crashes into this big town, <laughs> like ice sculpture of Santa that's right next to a giant town ice sculpture of a menorah. Um, they like crash down. Uh, he goes to court. The judge is like, "I'm gonna throw you in jail or whatever because you've been in here a million times." Uh, you're drunk and a terrible person. And you're it, describing that whole musical sequence, by the way, is more entertaining than actually watching it. Uh, there, like, there's no joy in this movie whatsoever. No, it's almost as if, like, oh wait, were was like Sandler and the Happy Madison Company were they somehow contractually obligated to like? <laughs> yeah, was this like was this on a was this under a contract for someone and they're like we just have to pump something we out, to just pump, get it out in a year? Because that's what it feels like. I I doubt that was the case. I uh, this. I figured they're just going for like a cash machine at this point, but like it's that is the experience of watching this. It was like, oh, like it feels like everyone involved did this at gunpoint. Yeah. Um. It, it, I don't know. I don't so know then, <laughs> so then, um, he, he this the it, uh, the judge is like, I'm gonna you know lock you up, throw away the key or whatever, and then we get an introduction to um basically the second lead of the movie, um, Whitey. What's the last name? Let's see. Uh, um, Whitey Duvall. Okay. White, not, not Whitey Bulger. <laughs> Whitey Duvall, um, also voiced by Adam Sandler, um, and he's a tiny, elderly, like gnarled creature, um, who has what I thought for approximately thirty minutes of this film, or you know, yeah, twenty-five minutes, let's say, yeah. after he's introduced, I thought, my God, this is, this is the worst voice that Sandler has ever done in a in a film. Um, and, and unfortunately it was, it, it, by the end of the movie, it was only the second worst voice I'd ever heard from Adam Sandler in a film. An unfortunate thought I had while watching this and after the introduction of Whitey, because prior to the experience of this, of this movie, it was like, oh, well, you know, if you want to talk about obnoxious Sandler voices, little Nicky is the, is, is the obvious offender, obviously. No, you know what? I want to now officially on the record apologize to any sort of like disparaging remarks I made about Sandler's voice and Little Nicky because I would much rather take him doing the phone book right now in the Little Nicky voice than having to go through Whitey again. Like it's 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 tough. Yeah, a few a, a year ago, um, in an attempt to to you know catch up, like you know while I was doing other things, um, I listened. It took me a little while, but I listened to the entire like all forty something hours of the audiobook of The Stand, Unabridged, 
Um, I would gladly listen to that again, read by Little Nicky, before <laughs> before I would ever ever like so the stand and it back to back with Little Nicky's voice. Um, or Jill from Jack and Jill before I would listen to one of these like screeching little monsters. M O L N. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no. Why do you why, why, why and like can like can you describe what Sandler's doing with Whitey's voice? It's like this very like I mean, I can't approximate it with my voice. Almost yeah. like uh, like almost like effeminate like it, it, like if you were just to hear it and not see the animation you'd be like, "Okay, is Sandler doing like an old Jewish woman?" But that's what it sounds like. But what? It, but it's but it is connected with this old, like kind of like, like frail old little little like little little sack of potatoes of a man. Which and also by the way, Sandler does an old Jewish woman in this movie too, with a different voice. Like it's I don't oh, know. she's she's yeah. technically not Jewish because they pointedly say ha- Merry Christmas to the Duvalls and they say Happy Hanukkah to him. Oh. So it's like they are because they say at one point. So it's different faces. He says together. he says Happy Hanukkah in the courtroom. And he says, well, you're not Jewish. And he's like, I know that, but it doesn't stop me from, you know, enjoying the holiday. And okay. it's like, okay, well, that's kind of a, like, it's kind of like a, almost like an olive, it's like him saying to, like, the rest of the audience, like, hey, just like, it's a, it's not just, it's weird that he, like, sort of takes the, maybe it made business sense to him at the time, but it's weird that he sort of takes the Jewishness, like, out of it. He's sort of like, don't worry, this also works as a Christmas movie. Like, we're sort of splitting the difference here. I mean, I grew up knowing nothing about, like, uh, Hanukkah or anything about it. I don't feel like I walked away from this movie knowing anything more. Uh, you definitely get more out of the Rugrats special. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, so then, Whitey, he like refs Little League basketball games and um, he enlists Sandler to be a referee for him and I guess because... That's he, like Sandler's community service or something yeah, like that? Yeah, which is weird after like uh, this drunken rampage that he went on that's all <laughs> That's all he have to do, especially after they've he already... He needs to be locked up. They've already said he's been to like rehab and like a psychiatric institute. So like at age 33, this like, like cripplingly depressed alcoholic man who hates the world is like... I don't know. Um, if y'all remember Will Smith in the movie Hancock, that's kind of what Davy is mm-hmm. like in this movie. Right, yeah. It's, it's, it's very... <laughs> It's 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 not great. Uh, and it's like oh, like there's they stack this the deck so far at early on in the movie and really throughout most of the movie as to how shitty he is as a person. That like I- again, as we've said, all his attempts to like come across as like a, g- a decent person are just like, whoo, like really, like I don't think so. A little too little too late. Um, so I don't know. There's a really there's a really stupid there's a really stupid line. I re- I'm going off my notes here. There's a very stupid line that the narrator has. Uh. Oh, I noted this. When they go to their first basketball game that Adam Sandler is refing, um, <laughs> they the narrator talks about Whitey and says, uh, he Whitey's so behind the times, he thinks Bi- Viagra is a big waterfall. And then he laughs. The narrator laughs. He, so it's like we we the audience should be the judge of whether this was a funny comment. But Rob say. Schneider says <laughs> so behind the times he thinks you is a big waterfall. <laughs> it's like, what are you though. doing, man? I have to say this though, like so there's so there's that bit and then later on in the movie, I don't remember what the actual joke is, but he does that one more time. He makes some sort of like crack. He he chuckles mid narration and goes, <laughs> sorry about that. Literally the, Well it's funnier there. Well, and funny. that is literally the only thing I can think of like ac- an actual joke in the movie that made me laugh yeah because like, like that's kind of a clever bit of having the narrator being this like cheeky little bastard but even that the movie half asses and doesn't like do anything with like mm-hmm. it's just like this one little one little kernel of something clever 
and this otherwise kind of shit sandwich of a movie. Go on, Wilson. So, well, there's just <laughs> I mean, there's just so there's a there's a basketball scene where he sucks, like he's an asshole. Um, he makes a fat kid cry. They fucking go after. They that go fat after kid. this kid like crazy. They um, keep they, talking they, they, about his tits. They keep talking about his tits. They say tits a bunch. Um, Wait, they say he, like he says. Uh, you need a bra. Fatty. Well, well, well. Um, it, like uh, something like someone gets hit. Like and Whitey's like, you're not gonna call a foul on that ref, and he goes, yeah, foul on this kid for eating everything in sight. Um, <laughs> he should wear wear a bra next time. And then Whitey says, he's just kidding. You have very nice boobs, which makes the kid cry even harder. And then like three separate points in the movie where this kid, this who who like doesn't even have a line of dialogue. He's just like this punching bag, like is openly weeping in the movie. And the yeah, movie's like. Simultaneously, like, oh well, pe- like people shouldn't say mean things to this kid, but also like, oh, isn't it funny that we're making the fat kid cry? This movie sucks. It is so, <laughs> it is so openly hostile towards this kid that it's like it, like, like a Todd Phillips level of hating this this person and like punching punching down is not is not strong enough. Um, yeah. But then Whitey decides to you know show Adam Sa- what shows Davy his happy place, and with that. I think we we got to do something here. Like, no, we got to rearrange the or the usual order of the episode here because normally we have these categories at the end of the episode. But unfortunately, this movie's product placement, we can't. We have to talk about it right now. We can like we can circle back at the end and talk about what we haven't hit. But they walk into this mall, and already I'm starting to like get antsy because I'm like, oh no, like this is gonna be this is gonna be an opportunity for him to like have some real world brands. You have no idea what this is like. Whitey walks in and he's explaining why he loves the mall so much. And he's like, oh, if you want a new pair of shoes, you can go to the Foot Locker. See, I can't. I, this isn't it, This isn't anything like Whitey's voice. But if you want a pair of shoes, you can go to the Foot Locker. Uh, need a new pogo stick? Go to the sh- or a new chair? Go to the Sharper Image. Uh, you know, the Radio Shack? Um, he says they talks about Dunkin' Donuts, and he goes, "They're simply the best." Um, and then he's like, "You can try the orange chicken at Panda Express." Um, other things that we see in the mall. So the list that I have here: Foot Locker, Sharper Image, Fila, GNC, Radio Shack, Spencer's Gifts, which also gets a shout out by name, Dunkin' Donuts, Zbarro, <laughs> Panda Express, Seize Candles. Victoria's Secret, Taco Bell, KB Toys, Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, Body Shop, Tyrac, and Petland. And this movie is so, like, just, like, on all levels, not very engaging, that it's kind of easy to check out at many different points as you're watching it, which I most certainly was guilty of earlier. So I'm glad you took a list of this, Wilson, because just laying it out I had out to pause there, and rewind several times. Yeah, but but just laying it out here, yes, that's exactly what the scene is. And now that I'm kind of like actually digesting and thinking, about, yeah, no, this, like, add like sinister to the list of this movie's crimes. <laughs> because, like, you, you, you kind of had to see the scene to believe it. It, it, well, we had a lot of bad things to say about the, for good reason, the Popeyes stuff in Little Nicky, but this, this is like a, this is like a, a, a maniac trying to see how far he can push something. It's, <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, it's like, oh, you can, you took, you like, you liked that, okay, you, like you accepted that, okay, fine. Well, what if I put twelve different things that I shouted out by name that are like major brands? Does, the weird thing is, 
I think there's also a Game Boy Advance, like in the scenes, but it's never like well, said it's a Game well, Boy. Well, no, no. He, so that's that's kind of interesting. In that same scene, they're at the food court, Whitey and Davy, and uh, this kid walks up with his mother, um, and the kid is like, "Hey, Whitey, look, I got a toy. Look at a toy. This toy I got for Hanukkah." And he's just like, "Oh, geez, it's, like that's an ex- etch a sketch. It's clearly a Game Boy Advance." But Davy says, "It's a Game Boy, you idiot." to Whitey, but he doesn't say Game Boy Advance, which is curiously unspecific for Sandler. <laughs> you'd think he would be like, he would be naming the exact model, like, and the color that you'd be getting in, and like, what games you could buy. You're playing but, Pokemon. Ex- exactly. <laughs> um, so, the, the the kid, this this young boy, uh, is like, you know, plays basketball, which is how he knows Whitey, um, and the mother uh, turns out to be, I mean, she has words with Davey, and like, you know, is kind of disgusted by what a jerk he is. Turns um, out it's his childhood friend and like flame. Yeah, so. his childhood friend who like he sort of had a crush on when he was a kid before some unspecified tragedy befell his life and turned him into the Davy that we all know and hate. <laughs> um, and also notably, this this character is played by Jackie Titone, uh, Titoni, however you say that name. Uh, uh, but now uh, best better known as Jackie Sandler. Kind of a I have to. I, I, Sorry, to, I mean this whole this whole this whole episode is kind of a bummer just talking about this movie. But I mean, like you know, the lovely Jackie Sandler, and this is like correct if I'm wrong. This is the only official pairing of them together in a movie as romantic co-leads, and uh, it's and it had to be this fucking thing. That's she's the- technically, I mean, that yeah, yes, it's it's true as far as it goes. She is in flashbacks. She plays his dead wife in um, Hotel Transylvania. She and she's also shows up uh, as like a um, as like a bar waitress and Big Daddy. She shows up briefly at the beginning of Just Go with It. Like I'm not, I'm not I saying. She, I wonder if she's in Blended. I wonder if that's like a thing. Like maybe. Is she I mean, like, like she like I, I I'm not saying like this is her only appearance in a Sandler movie. I'm saying, but like as far as her playing like the ostensible romantic co-star, mm-hmm. or in this case, voicing the the, the, the romantic co-star, and it had it has to be this thing. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry that, that that's the way that shit worked out, Jackie. Like <laughs> right. Is, this is gonna be like the new Robert Smigel for me in a way because. Like so much of my Adam Sandler loving life, did never notice his wife being in these movies. Mm-hmm. So should, yeah, it's gonna just start being like they oh, met she's on here. the yeah. she's here. They met on the set of Big Daddy. Yeah, um, she's like, she's there like she's when when like they go to the sports bar and they're and they're ordering root beer and like the old like crazy like drunk is there like goddamn jets and she's like hey cutie how's it going like she's she's there, like she's a very charming presence mm-hmm. and it's not that she's bad and a crazy nice just that there's this. This, this whole movie is just sort of like an endurance trial, and it's for kind of like Sandler connoisseurs only that you'd even care that it's Jackie Detone, but it is there. It's her, which is cool. I'm just sorry that, that that's a cool bit of trivia that has to be stuck in this movie. Uh, right. You know? um, so then, you know, like that happens. He remembers, he remembers that, uh, you know, he knew this person. It's weird that— they live in they live in the same town. I mean, it's weird that he's just like, oh, that's Jennifer Friedman. Like, I don't know why. It's not like he came back after a long absence or something. Like, has alcohol damaged his brain to the extent that he just like <laughs> cannot remember what his childhood sweetheart looked like? Um, Does he go through this whole thing like every Christmas or every every holiday? Right. Ooh, um, that'd be like that'd be dark and interesting. There's a bit <laughs> where um, so you flash back to show them as kids on the basketball court, and there's a bit where Whitey is the ref. When they're kids, he's the ref, like, still, um, and he's got an afro, like a white afro. Um, like the 70s. And there's a really, really 
really bad part where he's just like he out of nowhere why he's like i want to dance the robot dance and yeah. like domo arigato Jesus. mr roboto plays as he does this whole thing like it's this movie is 76 minutes long and it feels very overstuffed yeah already Some, i'm getting like somehow. lost in the weeds here um <laughs> so uh you know the Whitey takes sand takes Dave. God damn it! Whitey take <laughs> Whitey takes Davy home um, to his trailer, which is filled with beer cans and uh, cigarette butts. And Whitey is outside, and he can't get his car to move because of the ice. And then this these these deer show up from the woods. In quite honestly, maybe the only running gag in the movie that made me laugh even a little bit, which these deer come out. And Whitey, like Whitey's like, help me, like, help me. And you're thinking, like, okay, what? And the de- <laughs> the deer do come to help him. They help push him out. And, again, one of the only times I laughed in the movie is when the, the narrator says, just in the same tones that he said, everything else goes, doesn't it make you feel good when you see a group of deer helping a motorist in need? And it's like, <laughs> I guess it does make me feel good, <laughs> Rob Schneider. Like, you're right. I, I didn't realize. Um so Whitey goes home, and then we're introduced to, I, as I said, we spent this, like, y- y- you don't know what you've got until it's gone or until Eleanor Duvall enters the picture because mm. I kept thinking, this is the worst voice I've ever heard from Sandler. And then Eleanor Eleanor shows up, and it's his twin sister. Um, I don't know. He, it's a dry run for when he refined it in Drack and Jill, Absolutely. playing twins. But um, she is a... Neurotic woman who very fearful, like barely leaves the house. Uh, she keeps complaining about how these children steal her wigs. Um, she is incredibly obnoxious, um, and her voice is like nails on a chalkboard in hell. What's it sound? No, not even close. <laughs> I mean, that was like you. That was like Marge Simpson. Like, like went through the Brundlefly machine <laughs> with Adam Sandler. Like it was like. I mean. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a nightmare, truly. Like I defy anyone to listen to this character for more than like like the 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 scene. The, there's a scene later on where she has like an extended sort of back and forth with Davy, um, like asking about his history. And every time they went back to her, I was like, I feel like I'm shriveling up, like and and dying as I'm watching this. Um, and by the way, apparently Sandler, we can only surmise, felt confident enough in the hilarity of his voices for Whitey and Eleanor that, I swear to God, this is true, um, if you peruse through the two-disc DVD edition of Eight Crazy Nights, there is a commentary track with, uh, with writer-producer Alan Covert and two special guests, Eleanor and Whitey. Uh, that is the commentary track. I was listening to some of it uh, today where, like, um, um, yeah. Um, I mean, How I often does he provide commentary tracks? I don't feel like I've seen any from, like, most of, like, these early movies. I don't think so. And he just does this entire one in their voice. It's, he, I mean, I guess he felt strong about it. I don't know, man. Huh. Like, it's really weird. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, going to learn those voices in the next episode. I'm yeah. going to be over here with multiple personalities yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's <laughs> exactly um yeah if if james if james mcavoy had had if that had been one of his personalities in split i would have run screaming from the theater <laughs> i'd be like the the master of terror is back um so uh oh and speaking of those voices so i read um there's a there's a popular um internet sort of video personality, a guy by the name of, he's been around for a while, a guy by the name of the Nostalgia Critic. Mm. Um, 
he's kind of like the angry video game nerd, like that niche of like he just reviews things from his childhood. And he, this is on the Wikipedia page, that's how I found this. Um, he reviewed Eight Crazy Nights and talked about how much he hated it. The director of Eight Crazy Nights shouted him out on Twitter saying he thought the, the review was very funny. Um, and the director emailed the nostalgia critic and like talked a little bit about the film. And number one, he apparently said Adam Sandler is the nicest person that he's ever worked with. He said that he knew every single person who worked on the movie, like knew their families and their, you know, their birthdays, their kids' birthdays, that kind of thing, which is cool. Also connection to Keanu, that sort of thing, those sorts of stories. Um, but he also says that there were several things that he never expected to make it into the movie that when they showed it to test audiences, test audiences liked them. And the two things that he mentions specifically are the deer shitting and Whitey's voice. Wow. He says that Whitey's voice was something that they intended to, to do like differently. America had spoken. And, and, the, and the, this, this goddamn focus group, wherever you are, hang your head in, in shame. Jesus. Uh, they, they said, no, leave it in. It's gold, Jerry, gold. Um, so anyways, just a little tidbit from, you know, a little behind-the-scenes action, considering there's not a lot of behind-the-scenes info about this movie. Good Lord. Um, so then, uh, let's just, let's just run through this. Um, like, God damn, I'm already so tired. So, uh, let's see, the next day, Whitey, uh, is working, like, uh, hosing off porta-potties at a construction site. Uh, Davey comes out of one of them, uh, pushes Whitey in, pushes down the hill, uh, Whitey gets shit all over him, uh, and then Adam Sandler sprays him off, freezing him in place, like with ice, um, like shitty, shitty ice, um, and then s the deer show up again, <laughs> and the deer start to, without any, like any prompting, they start to lick the shitty ice off of Whitey, and the deer <laughs> turns... <laughs> The deer, the deer turned to the camera and just, and just smiled these big, like sexy smiles, shit, <laughs> like toothy sexy, sm <laughs> toothy smiles, covered in shit, <laughs> and and the narrator says, okay, the da the narrator says, hold hold on. This is the movie that broke this podcast. It completely <laughs> broke it. Ra the narrator says, you're right. That is gross. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get into that part of the movie. I didn't laugh when I watched it, but I'm laughing after describing it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, so then there's a, there's a basketball pickup game um, where... Uh, Davey and D Dave and Whitey are they they play basketball against these jerks um, and they're like let's play let's play a, a pickup game you know let's take a bet like if we win you uh, if like you if you win like if a drunk and a midget can beat us you know I'll eat my own I'll eat his jock, jock strap like his buddies and it's like well no you got to eat that guy's jock strap and it's like this big hulking um, Dude who's just minding his own business. Dude who's minding his own business, but he's much like much like the kid who uh, who they told him needed a brawl. It's like, oh, look at this pathetic specimen of a human being. Sure. Like, look at this look at this pathetic piece of trash. Let's all point and laugh at him. Um, so, like, you're on. Um, Whitey, we haven't even mentioned this before. This did come up earlier, but um, they they play skins. 
uh, David Whitey, Shirts and Skins, and uh, Whitey appears to be part Abominable Snowman. Like, I don't understand why his ass cheeks are covered in hair. (laughs) White hair. Like, the joke is, like, like you've seen it in some dumb like comedy set uh, set at like a pool or something, right? Where like like a big dude like takes off his shirt and turns out like, oh, he's surprisingly hairy. There, it's 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 that kind of bit for Whitey, but like it's all white hair, and so yeah, he like he looks like like a like yeah, um, just he looks like a Wolverine to me, like a white Wolverine, just like very animal like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the joke. Yeah. Like, there's no like like they don't like they don't do anything with that. It's not like the whole thing with Eleanor, like like if if if. There's like one running bit. It's the fact that she has wigs and that they often get snatched from her. It's like that's the best that they could come up with with like these running gags, and they're just very stupid and, and unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, there's a um, uh, let's see. So Whitey gets knocked the hell out uh, during this game, and so Jennifer's son comes in to play Scott, as his. I think. Um, I I maybe. Um, doesn't matter. He comes in. It's uh, it's Benjamin. Ben, okay, he comes sure. into play. He, com- <laughs> he, com- he comes into play, and um, out of nowhere, for no reason whatsoever, Davy is suddenly like, oh, like take like um, take, like takes a shine on to the kid. Yeah, like he's it. like he's like making him feel better about his his. Like he's just like, hey, don't worry. Like, just I'll tell you when to shoot it. Like, keep your elbows tucked in, all that stuff. Giving not, him confidence I'm, boosts. I'm not really good at basketball. That's all right. It's okay. Just, 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 uh, just, uh, just do your best, and then I'll help you out, kid. And it's like, okay, he's surprisingly very good and like brotherly. If nothing has indicated if that not he would do this, fatherly towards this kid, like. Like okay, so in flashbacks, you know that that Dave or Davy has been—I don't even care what his name is—Sandler uh, has been playing basketball like when he was a kid. So like I guess there is sort of like a basketball connection there. But it just, yes. it, 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 like it, it's so it's so by the means of the plot that this is sort of like ultimately a heartwarming holiday movie, and that he does have to have some sort of like redemption cycle. But right, it's, it's very it's very clunky. <laughs> so he they win. They force the other guys to eat the the big the big man innocent man's jockstrap, um, and he's literally. Like, why are you guys eating that? And it's like he didn't consent to this. This is <laughs> terrible. Um, and uh, <laughs> with Dave's uh, with with Dave's influence, uh, Benjamin turns and shouts as his mom is looking on. His mom is sort of heartwarmed by Davey helping out, and then he turns to the guys and he says, uh, "Eat that jockstrap, biatch," <laughs> um, and gets in trouble with the, with his mom. Um, which is which is not a nice thing to say, but as far as shit that comes out of twelve year olds' mouths, you know, sure, um, it's not the worst. They um, <laughs> there's uh, there's a song about uh afterwards. There's a song about how he and Jennifer, uh, Dave and Jennifer, you know, were like they had all this stuff as kids, like this connection. But that was a long time ago. I think that's the name of the song. Is that was a long time ago, um, and we get these little intercut moments, like um, Whitey saying the the only time I ever had sex, the only time I ever had sex was uh in a was on the phone. And then you see the phone sex worker saying, but that was a long time ago. The mayor, who's played by Kevin Nealon, says, uh, it says, the mayor's wife was once a man. And then this, a woman with noticeable, like, beard stubble turns and says, but that was a long time ago. Um, I have here in my notes, I, this must have happened in the song, deer licked Whitey's nuts and they smile about it, question mark. <laughs> So I guess that's a thing that happens. Maybe he mentions it in the deer, like nod their heads, like "Yep, we did that." It's like it's like a cutaway to the deer being horny again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then the jocks, the man who ate the jockstrap, burns down Davy's trailer. Davy goes to live with uh, Whitey and Eleanor. Um. They uh, 
you know, Eleanor talks. She makes she makes mention of her wig that's been stolen, and she's like, "Without my wig, I look like an owl." Um, they sing a song about like the rules of the house, about like that's a technical foul. It's a very very bad song. Um, there's more product placement in here for Lysol. Um, when he talks about like after dropping a, a deuce, like you know, if I don't spray Lysol in the bathroom, you know, that's, that's a, a technical. That's foul. a technical foul. It is a atrocious song. Um, like. it's it's <laughs> it's insane. Uh, just finding out, I guess Alison Krauss helped yes. co-write Alison, okay. a bunch of these songs. So well, Alison Krauss does the like she's musical the singing voice, voice of of Jennifer. Alison fucking Krauss, an angel on this earth that we do not deserve. Alison Krauss, who who who, if nothing else, you know from the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Alison Krauss this is at least as good. Is a big get. They should they should have gotten T Bone Burnett for this. He would have really spiced <laughs> things up. Like I'm blown away that she would put her name on this. Like she's yeah. like, like good lord. The um, <laughs> so then um there there there's you know <laughs> there's some stuff like with them living together, like Davy living there. Like they go to Spencer's gifts. It's very pointedly Spencer's gifts. They buy like one of those like snakes in a can thing and they spring it on Eleanor and she has a seizure and then farts. But it's like it's okay. It's like a funny seizure. It's like she's gonna be fine. Whitey also has these, and it's like a joke that he's like on the ground like. <laughs> and it's just like wow. Okay, I guess this is, I guess this is a joke. He's having a seizure. <laughs> yeah, and then um, <laughs> see, weirdly, I think I feel like I got closer to Whitey's voice by doing the seizure thing. I don't think I could do like dialogue. <laughs> uh, pretty good. But um, we learned that uh. Whitey has this like hard on for he wants to like get the at the the like the citizens banquet or whatever like he wants to get the uh the third the the all star patch like most valuable citizen of the town or some dumb nonsense um and he's been wanting you know wanting to get it for thirty five years it's literally just like a little like 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 patch like a boy scout badge or something like that yep it's it's not it's not a money prize it's not like a key of the city it's just this little patch that they give out every year and he's super into it and this becomes the crux of the movie's emotional climax yes so (laughs) then um they're all they all go ice skating and um you know dave has a nice moment talking to uh benjamin and jennifer jennifer um and then whitey ends up telling Eleanor the story of why Davy is such a bitter bastard and it's because uh, he played this big basketball game they were expected to lose and they won but his parents on the way to the game and I guess it was the first night of Hanukkah first night of Hanukkah and they win and uh, and like childhood Dave was like oh why are my parents late they missed my game that's really sad and then like the ref or the coach goes like Tells him, like, oh, your parents were in an automobile accident, like, on the icy road or whatever. But, by the way, in this movie, as Whitey's telling the story, he gets really into, like, deep, like he gets, like, very detailed about how these parents met their tragic demise. Like, well, there was an icy skid, and then they veered into oncoming traffic, and it was too late mm-hmm. before they could swerve. It was like, whoa. They, they, I, they probably suffered for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like. He, the I mean, jaws of life couldn't help him. Yeah, and, and then so Dave <laughs> loses his shit and kind of lashes out. And I'm not excusing Dave's poor behavior, but. Why do you need to shut the fuck yeah, up? Yeah, it's like read the room, dude. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, so yeah, that it's uh, it's weird that they're like they, it is weird in the flashback when it's like we always lose these games. Um, but like, what if we tried winning one this time? And they're like, well, the only way we could do that is if you took every shot. And I'm like, what a weird flex, Adam. Like, it's like okay, like your your avatar was like the best at basketball, so like let's give him the ball every single possession. It's like, come on. Um, That's not my best. Right, but <laughs> so he flips the fuck out. Um, he screams at Whitey uh, and says, "Like nobody cares about you. No one's ever cared about you." Whitey's just like, 
whatever. And then the um, Amber's like, oh, you're terrible. Yeah. I knew you were terrible all along. Yeah, and uh, Whitey is like, you're not welcome at my house. Um, and uh, then we're ready for this big uh, – it, it, all, it all starts to happen very fast. Um, <laughs> they're ready for the big banquet uh, where the patch is going to be given out that Whitey wants so much. Um, the, the, the deer walk inside and start helping Whitey and Eleanor get ready in another gag that I found – mildly amusing um also uh also uh <laughs> the narrator has another pretty good line there it's the one where he like makes a comment where he or laughs or whatever where uh eleanor's walking to the house and <laughs> the narrator goes you know eleanor really does look like an owl sorry <laughs> like just like saying it. it's kind of funny um let's see davy gets drunk really really super drunk and breaks into the mall um Oh God, Jesus Christ! This part he bra- <laughs> oh he, he breaks into the mall, <laughs> and uh, he's super drunk and he's screaming at uh, Jennifer, who's not there. She works there, like uh, during the day. Um, he's screaming at her, and then has a hallucination. He has a hallucination, um, a la like you know Dumbo, uh, where like all of a sudden these like ho- these mascots start like like popping out and singing to him. But it's the it's, it's, it's the Footlocker, the Footlocker mask like guy, Panda Express Panda, um, the I let's see the sharper image, something like a chair, yeah. sees candy lady, a coffee bean and tea leaf, a uh, cup, uh, some soldiers from KB Toys like toy soldiers, a, a GNC bots but pill bottle. And a Victoria's Secret dress. It's, now it's more disgusting mall bullshit. However, it is kind of fun to watch. If there's one like like bit of happiness you can take from this moment, it's that all like it's uh, basically your big moment of Sandler Squad in the movie. Yeah. So the store logos are Dylan and Cole Sprouse of Big, of big Daddy play the KB Toy Soldiers. Um, Blake Clark is the Radio Shack walkie talkie. Peter Dante is the Foot Locker guy. Um, the grandmother, Ella, Ellen Albertini Dow, um, the grandma from Wedding Singer, is the C's Candy Box. Kevin Farley, Chris's brother, is the Panda Express Panda. Um, and Carl Weathers is the GNC bottle. And those are the ones that have been previously in Sandler, or future in Sandler movies. Also notably, uh, there's, a, there's a Victoria's Secret thing, right? Right. Yeah. Tyra Banks plays the Victoria's Secret dress. She's not in any other Sandler movies, but... Uh, At least she got to make her mark. Um, yes, this one. certainly she did. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution, Cyrus. So they sing to him about how he needs to like wake the hell up and realize how great life is. Um, and then uh, he, you know, they give him this note that he's always had that's like from his parents that they wrote him right before they died in this terrible, fiery accident that you know was sheer agony for everyone involved. And you know, can you imagine their screams? <laughs> um, happy Hanukkah. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, they go back. They go to this banquet. Um, the the mayor, played by Kevin Nealon, um, tells a joke that's not very good. I don't even remember the joke. But we cut to everyone in the audience laughing hysterically, and then the, these kids in the audience are laughing so hard that boogers shoot out their nose, which is like really gross. Um, and then we cut outside to the deer who are watching, like they're watching to see if Davy wins this prize. Um, the deer are outside rolling around on the ground, just shitting <laughs> like crazy. Like, just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 
that's another thing. The deer kind of talk like. It's like, wow. Um, it's like, uh, it's 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 so like that's when it got to be the point where I was just like, someone someone's fucking with me right now. Like this is this isn't actually a movie. Um, think about the cell animator that's like, I gotta animate. Oh my god, yeah. Um, the the uh, the Chinese waiter is there, played by Rob Schneider, and he laughs so hard that he rips his shirt off and like bangs his head on the table a bunch. Um, the um, let's see, um. Whitey does not win. They instead give it to a local billionaire played by John Lovitz who has a hook for a hand. Sure. Um, and, um, oh, I forgot to mention that the the mascot song, as heinous as that entire sequence is, that's one of the only songs that is, like, even halfway, I think, decent. Like, it's like, it's, it's like a half-finished version of a song, okay. but it's like it could have been a good song, like, if they'd worked on it some more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also feel that way about the subsequent song the one actually at this banquet when davy shows up because he gets chased by the police for breaking into the mall he shows up there to support whitey and then sees that whitey didn't win and he like as he's getting arrested you know sings this song about why whitey like yeah people haven't valued him enough in the town and like oh like remember you were playing that you, you your football game the reception was cutting out and he came and stood on your TV with a antenna to get reception and then got struck by lightning. But that was Dave, you know, that that's Whitey for you. Um, he, you know, he, he sings this song. There's like a whole, like everyone gets involved and that, that kind of feels like a, like there's like the, the bum, bitty, 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 bum, bum. Like that, that feels slightly like religious, like, or slightly like culturally like Jewish, maybe mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's like the one like good, like, uh, yeah, like it, like it, it, it feels like they're actually going for something specifically Jewish mm-hmm. um, in the music there, and you know what? It's the most like it's it's like the catchiest song in the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's definitely the best song in the movie. Um, there's a um, uh, we forgot to mention because God help us. There's a three. There's a woman with three breasts in this movie, and they keep cutting away to her for different gags. That it's like what. What is this? What are you doing? Yeah. I don't even know what the joke is. Besides, she has three breasts. Well, like that's classic Borspelt humor, Wilson. You, <laughs> read yeah. a book. The rich, the rich history. Does the does the John Lovitz character? Does he wipe his ass with that that hook? They say he says in the song lyrics. Davy says, "I wonder." Apropos of nothing, he says, "I wonder if he ever wiped his ass with the wrong hand." And John Lovitz <laughs> says, "Yes." <laughs> um, and it's and that's an after credits moment too, I believe. I believe that comes up again in the credits, if I'm remembering I did not, correctly. I did not make it. <laughs> I, I skedaddled. I let the whole thing run. Oh, my God. Um, and then uh, Whitey and Eleanor have gone to their happy place after this crushing defeat. Uh, that's right, the mall. Um, and the whole the whole town is there to say, like, no, Whitey, actually, you're the greatest who ever lived. And everyone, um, like, kind of, like, takes, like, their badges from years past and, like, gives them to, like, the th- like not only are you the winner of this year, like, the 35th year, but also 34, 33. And the three-breasted lady has three, one on each breast, and she takes them all three off and, and throws them down. Um, it's the holiday spirit. And then Whitey is, like, uh, Whitey's just, like, oh, you know, Davey, I think of you as, like, uh, like a son, and, like, this is so great, and, uh, and uh, you know, he's he's the richest man in Dukesbury or whatever the sure. hell it's called. And then, um, as, as for the for the conclusion of the film, um, Whitey has a seizure and he's like on the ground, like this is the happiest seizure of my life. The happiest. I can't do, see. I can't do the speaking. <laughs> this the, the happiest the happiest seizure of his life. Uh, roll credits over. 
a really excellent rendition of the Hanukkah song. Like, so, genuinely, that recording of the Hanukkah song is terrific. So, real quick, so <clears> on <throat> this particular edition of the Hanukkah song, there's, like, some actual, like, children chorus members mm. on the version, so that kind of distinguishes it. Like, I want to download that version. On the, on the DVD, there is, um, like, a there's, like there's, there's a clip of um, a Sandler, I guess, hosting appearance um, on SNL from that time, I think, unless it was just, like, a guest appearance um, on, like, a holiday special. But anyways, it's Sandler and all those kids wearing, like, red Santa sweaters. Right. Or, 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 or just red holiday sweaters, I should say. Doing that version of a song that you hear on the we, we say Christmas on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's, I'm just I'm just saying. You know, they're they're red and red for Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. It's the reason for the season. It's right. Um, um, but anyway, so um, I I don't know. So I, we I like I should have done more homework. And I apologize, but like I, I guess I assumed that maybe this was sort of like a special you know um, drummed up version of the Hanukkah song for this movie. Well, the soundtrack in- lists. Uh, Hanukkah Song Part 3 radio version and Hanukkah Song Part 3 movie version. So okay. I have to assume it's movie version. Um, so like I said, that's excellent. And, you know, that's that's really Eight Crazy Nights. There's not really anything else to say about this movie. It's not very funny. It's un, it's gross in a way that just doesn't play. Like somehow, like, I mean, South Park's one of my favorite shows of all time. So it's not like scatological animated stuff is outside of my wheelhouse. But, like, it just doesn't. It doesn't work here. And it's it, mean-spirited in a way that's not at all interesting or subversive. It's just stupid and mean. Like, mm-hmm. he like he, like he he gets mean with subsequent movies um, in ways that are, like, bizarre, fascinating, or just really funny um, that we'll get to. And this one, like, so I'm thinking specifically of, like, the like like the poor chubby boy who's always getting, you know, made, like, made fun of by the movie and everyone in the movie. It's just like, well, where is this? What, what, what is this? Yeah. Why it, is this? <laughs> it's lacking that like second side that you get whenever he's like mean to somebody in one of these other films, but he would probably pick him up and like help him up after like pushing him down. Right. It's just completely just and uh, it's too much. Well, I don't know, and I don't know like what to. I don't know how to like how exactly to qualify why it doesn't, why the meanness here doesn't. But like, there's like the thing is that the meanness in his other films is funny. Mm-hmm. Like, it's horrible. It's horrible for me to say this, but I laugh when he trips those rollerbladers yeah. in, in Big Daddy, even though if you saw someone doing that in real life, it's like, call the police. <laughs> this man is insane. He He's out to kill people. He, and, or like in Happy Gilmore when he's punching like just like bystanders like they're at the game. Like, oh, it's about time. Yeah, it was about time. I should get it, like, the ball in the hole. Like, yeah. It's funny. Um, And this thing, it's it, almost nothing works here. Like the little – like I, 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 I hate to give – much credit to Schneider, but like the little narrator asides are the only thing I can think of in this movie that kind of works for me. He's kind of funny. Like, yeah. I mean, the it's that's that's completely his any credit he gets for that is completely negated by the Chinese waiter. So sure. it comes out as a wash for Schneider as well. <laughs> but that still puts him on top of most people. Um, this movie is an award winner. Um, it won favorite voice from an animated movie at the Kids Choice Awards in 2003. They love Sandler there. I wonder how many times he's gotten slimed. <laughs> um, we'll figure that out for next episode. Um, but yeah, and like I said, it didn't it didn't make any kind of impact at the box office. No one really, except for randos on Facebook. No one really talks about this movie. No one goes to bat for it. I damn sure no one's watching it during the holidays no. as like a perennial. Um, which the bar for that is so incredibly low. Like, if a movie has like halfway, like, like I don't know, like 
I don't mean to I don't mean to rip on this movie because it's fine, but it's like something like the Family Stone is a touchstone in my mom and like well, like when I go home with my mom and sisters like. And, like, that movie, I watch it, and, like, it's fine. It's like, oh, the Christmas of it carries it so far that it just becomes a perennial. And I don't think anyone on Earth does that for Eight Crazy Nights. Yeah. yeah. I watch uh, – I, I, uh, same here. I watch The Family Stone almost every year. If not with my family, then, like, by myself. And as I'm watching every year, I'm like, I know this movie isn't that good. Yeah. I know that. But the Christmas of it and the cast of this, this absurdly good cast for this material – goes a long way and it makes the movie better in spite of itself you cannot say the same thing for something like a crazy night no this has i mean how much like i can i'm very curious like what the because this you know came out in november mm-hmm. probably came out in vhs and like february or march february I would guess. And march i just kind of imagine this being just like one of those oh whoa no completely wrong uh, because it's a holiday thing, they waited a full year to put this out on home video. It was November of '03 that they put this out. In Jesus. they figured, I guess they figured no one wanted it until the holidays. It turns out no one wanted it. Just period. Yeah. But, um. That, wow, that's crazy. Um, a Blu-ray was released in 2016. Um, I'll be sure to not buy that. Um, you know, I think so far, and we'll, you know, once this, you know. Years and years down the line, when this podcast is is finished, we'll I'm sure have like a ranking of like best and worst Sandlers. Um, I was thinking while watching this today, like, do I consider this the worst? Going overboard does not does not technically count. Right. So like that, you know, putting that aside, is this the worst Sandler movie since he became Adam Sandler? And I'm so, somewhat torn on it because while I think Bulletproof is a better movie by a, a few hairs, as in a more watchable movie, um, that's not really an Adam Sandler movie, right? In the way that this one is, and so like almost like if you go by like the auteur theory, it's more just like like this one is more this one is more compelling as a document to sort of dissect. Um, maybe this episode notwithstanding, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, so I don't, I think as far as my enjoyment of it, this is my least favorite of the movies we've revisited so far, yeah. but, um, yeah. y- you know, I think, and who knows if that will be the case at the end of, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's at least one other Sandler movie I have not seen yet. So there's at least a chance for something to come out and surprise me. Yeah. I feel like we all walked into this, like into this room, just kind of being like, I think we all know what each other's thinking right now. Mm. This is going to just be uh, just a real shit fest. Oh, never mind. I actually just thought about an, an Adam Sandler movie that I like a lot less than this one that's coming up. Like, a, a way down the line. Uh, okay. it's, it's one of his prestige flicks, and say oh, no sure. more than that. But even then, it doesn't quite count. I, 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 like, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. even then, that's sort of like, that's an asterisk. That's, that's the worst <laughs> movie he's ever been in. Um, but I got to say, though, as kind of a dire experience as it was watching this movie, finally, um, just uh, – being able to enjoy Wilson trying to trudge through the plot of this was very entertaining. And it's if there's one, if, if, if fucking I, I will take the quagmire. I will take the silver lines where I, where I, where I can enjoy them. So uh, thank you, Wilson, for uh, putting thank up, you for well, per- you're, putting you're up the good fight. Today. You're so welcome. And so we can. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Austin just. Uh, uh, thank you, Austin, for uh, pulling up um, the image there of uh, the <laughs> shit-eating <laughs> grin deer. Yeah, it looks like they've eaten like a Chocolate. Oreo cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Gross. So we've already we'll 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 recap with the we'll do we'll do these uh we'll do, we've already talked about some of these segments as we tend to do, but we'll we'll recap with the product placement. 
So, to wit, the product placement in this movie, Foot Locker, Sharper Image, Fila, GNC, Radio Shack, Spencer's Gifts, Dunkin' Donuts, Sparrow, Panda Express, Seize Candles, Victoria's Secret, Taco Bell, KB Toys, Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, Body Shop, Tyrac, Petland, Lysol, Pepsi, what? I there's there's something. Game Boy, Game Boy, um, uh, KB Toys. I think yeah, I put that. I said that already. Uh, I guess that's it. But Jesus Christ, that's a lot. It's gross. It's really it's really super gross. And I actually that is something I had completely forgotten about this movie. Mm-hmm. And so that was the the one thing in this movie that kind of came as a surprise to me, where I was like. I thought that the little Nicky Popeye stuff was the nadir of his product placement. And this, it's going to be very, I, this is almost impossible to beat, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, maybe I'll be eating my words, but I doubt it. I yeah. think this is the bottom. It's really unfortunate that, like, the one Adam Sandler musical we get is just abysmal. Yeah. And again, just no interesting songs. Like, that's the biggest bummer of this. Mm-hmm. It's like, this was a really, a real opportunity for him to just, like, cut loose. And it just feels like, rather than take advantage of that, it f- yeah, it just feels slapdash. I, I did like, uh... It's a technical foul! It, yeah. But eh. it's not available on Spotify, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> they have, like, eight songs from the album. Not that song. You're at, you're <laughs> at, the, you're at the gym, you know, working on, working on your delts. And that's a technical... You start, like, muttering it under yeah. your breath, and everyone's looking at you. Like, is that the eight, eight Crazy Night soundtrack, bro? Um, so then we've got Sandler Squad. Um, so, of course, we've got uh, Jackie Sandler. Uh, we've got Rob Schneider. We've got Kevin Nealon. We've got John Lovitz. We've got Dylan and Cole Sprouse from Big Daddy. We've got Blake Clark. We've got Peter Dante, Ellen Dow, Kevin Farley, Carl Weathers. Um, and we also have, uh, let's see. Did you mention the twins yet? Yes. Yeah. Um, we have um, Alan Covert. Does a, he's a he? Alan Covert, producer of the movie, uh, does a few voices in here. Um, he plays an old lady. Like there's a bit where Sandler's at the mall, I think, um, and says and like says something gross, and then Covert as an old lady's like, "You're gross" or something like that. And it's Covert, and I only know that because I suffered through some of that commentary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. There is uh, Jonathan Lofren is the voice of a cop. Um, and weirdly enough, um, Lainey Kazan uh, is listed as the singing voice of Old Woman. Hmm. Um, this would have been the same year that Lainey Kazan was in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, oh. one of the biggest independent films of all time. Um, so that's kind of weird, but she technically makes that... I had no idea until I looked this up. That technically makes her part of the squad because she is in you don't she's in you don't mess with the Zohan. Nice. So Lainey Kazan is in there. Looks yeah. like she's in Pixels too. Well, there you go. Good lord. So good for you, Lainey Kazan. Welcome to the squad. <laughs> um, and then let's see. The, Jackie it, Sandler. In, yeah, which Jackie is, Jack both, is both of the squad and something love interest in this case. Well, so last thing about the last thing about the squad. Weirdly, um, this is this is only a, this is on a technicality because he's not in the movie. But it says like production consultant in the in the credits. Steve Brill, director uh, of Mr. Deeds. Um, so, so like he like uh, fucked around on set one day. Yeah, yeah, or it seems like maybe it's like well, like let's have him almost as like a like a like a. Not we don't want to give him a producer credit, but like a sort of like he knows how the Sandler machine works. Right. So let's let's just do that thing. Um, and then 
you know, third category is, of course, slumming love interest. Um, and there's always a little bit of like there's always a little bit of like difference of like what how how this actually this term actually applies to the narrative, because certainly the actress herself, you know, she went to on to marry Adam Sandler. Yeah. It's not slumming in that way. But the character that she is playing is 110 percent the slumming love interest, because, my God, they're almost more so than more so than Layla in uh, Big Daddy, more so than uh, Julie Bowen in uh, in uh, uh, Happy Gilmore. There is no justification. Not only is there no justification, but the movie in its own like half assed way. Does slightly like puts it puts like forward some like effort, some storytelling character effort into kind of like establishing the bond between Dave and um uh fucking Benjamin. Yeah. But and but Jennifer is just there, just like justifiably di- di- um you know disapproving of this monster's behavior towards everybody, including her. And then at the very end, after you know Dave kind of sticks his neck out for for uh, for Whitey is like there's no like. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's no like moment of them like embracing, reconciling him, apologizing to her. It's just like she's like like Dave does this big gesture for Whitey, which is good, and then Jennifer is just there, like okay, and now y'all are gonna go off and be together forever now. And it's like okay, I don't think he's earned her love. No, not in any way, shape, or form. I can buy that maybe now she has like a new appreciation for him. It's like oh wait, now I've seen sparks of the boy I used to know and love, my old friend, right? When like before that terrible tragedy, like, but uh, but this movie is slumming for this love story. Like, yeah, like like it's it's really weird. And again, like I mean, I think it's I, I think it's always cool when like Jackie Sandler shows up in these bits parts and like oh hey look like like there she is like she's having fun like she shows up as um Sandler's characters like first really mean like fiance and just go with it and it's like she's playing like a very like mean and shallow person and that's kind of the joke. And it's fine because clearly, like, it's the movie kind of having fun with the fact that this is Jackie Sandler. So that's cool. That, like, that's cool when she shows up in those small little roles. And this thing, it's like, oh, wait, no, she gets to play an actual love interest, and it's such a nothing, like, wet blanket of a mm-hmm. character, It's which is a shame. But, you know, oh, well, I'm sure she's living – she's having a very nice life. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that that really – you know, with that, that kind of closes the book on, uh, on 2002 uh, – for Sandler, you know, a really a, great year. It's um, a really, really good year for him. Like all told, even though even this movie notwithstanding, I mean, it's still like, I mean, even if even though it's very bad, it's at least a departure for him. It's at least it's like so, him trying something new. Um, and you know, he's got. You know, we've talked a lot about this in in previous episodes and this one earlier. But you know, this sort of sets him up. You know, after the one stumble he had, it's like now, now it's like he's he's still just like a, a huge superstar with his you know, live action comedies, but also now you've got this other side of it as indicated by Ebert's comments in his review of this film where it's like, Oh, but now, now even, even the, the critics try as they might, you know, they to put blinders on in between his like prestige projects. Like they can't deny like this man is a talent. This man is like when he, when, when he's channeled in the way they think he should be channeled or whatever, this dude's unstoppable. And so, you know, going from here, it's really interesting to see the way that the trends that the trends that sort of pop up in 2002. It's very interesting to see how they manifest themselves in the years to come um, as you go into like the further into the 2000s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's I'm, I'm excited to get to uh, his his, you know, his next few movies. Um, the next 
episode that we'll be doing is on anger management. 2003's anger management uh, comes out in, I believe, April of that year. So mm-hmm. it's like not that, you know, had three Adam Sandler projects in 2002. And then it's not even that far into 2003 that you got another one. Um, and yeah. And then with that, you know, he's kind of, we're kind of just off to the races again. Yep. Um, and it's, it's exciting. And uh, you know, his, his career continues to uh, have these fascinating contradictions and, and really, <laughs> really interesting, uh, hilarious uh, performances. Um, and then he, you know, as anger management demonstrates, he starts to uh, include, start including a, uh, Oscar winners, like honest to God, Oscar winners as co-stars. So two um, of them like, anger like, management, you know, it, at l- least two legitimate. Yeah, that's right, legitimate sc- and legitimate like all-time screen legends. Mm-hmm. You know, as his co-star, like carrying a movie with him. So like, that's that's really interesting. Like he didn't take. I don't think Jack Nicholson took. He he didn't take second billing to Batman, but he did take second billing to Adam Sandler. So Boom. and that just shows riding in riding into two thousand three. This movie notwithstanding. Sandman's King of the World. So we will be back in a few weeks with that episode. Um, and But I think uh, until then, 